So, um, text messages. Let's go to text messages. Oh, let's do this. Um, so this one says, my wife and I are vegan and don't have any animal products. No honey. What a gun. Maple syrup. No milk. But non-dairy products. So there you go. Mm. So so most. So this is where you get the difference between a vegan and a total vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And it's probably worthwhile considering the differences between the two because the word vegan can have uh, political undertones as yes, well. Yes, yes. And it can be involved. It's usually vegans are involved in animal rights. Yeah. Or, and, you know. and Some level of activism yeah, as activism, well. Activism, yeah. those kind of things, which is why a vegan won't, you know, a, typically a vegan won't use leather products, uh, won't eat honey, those kind of things. A total vegetarian is somebody who is more interested in health. Yeah. And so I describe, or a plant-based diet. Yeah, plant-based is usually the word, and that's how I describe myself. I say vegan because it's just like, you know, the word. Yeah, it's the easiest word to toss out there. Um, and But this person, yep, they don't have any animal products. They're vegan. So that, that's they're vegan. they're vegan, vegan. Go, Whereas go, you I have leather seats in my car, so, you know, not vegan. Yes. I have a leather Bible. It's a bit not sad. Not vegan. Tough. Anyway, anyway, um, I think we need to have respect for everybody, uh, regardless 100%. of what they choose to eat or not eat or otherwise. And I have total respect for these guys. Well let's done. Go. Well done. Dude, that's epic. It is. Okay, uh, let's go to we've got another one here somewhere. Where did it go? Oh, we got a couple here. Da, 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 da. Yeah, someone's got the spragging rights here, but I think. They have the correct... Oh, no. uh, all right, talking about the House Bill. This House Bill um, is a gift from God. There are still men who will stand up against insane bills against children. Let's pray that all the states will do the same. It's good to see Satan lose every so often. This is a mm. good story. Yeah, I could have put, put that one out there in positively different news this morning. Uh, of course, the state of Arkansas banning uh, gender transition for children under the age of 18 mm. or banning gender transition for children. Um, next text message here. As for the DNA, doesn't the Bible say that we are wonderfully made? We can't imagine the things that God has to show those who love him. I want to be there. Mm. What a great text message that is. And may we all be there. And there's an answer here for bragging rights. Just showing it to the producer. Let's see if this one is the correct one. And that is the correct one. That's the one that I wrote down after I wrote down the first one. I went, no, don't be looking at my piece of paper. Don't be looking at my piece of paper. So, so you know the answer. Yeah, I know the answer. Oh, three people have a bragging right so far already. Everybody's just like smashing it out. <sighs> okay. I shouldn't have just gone obscure. Just because I can't look it up. I shouldn't have gone obscure. I should have gone obvious. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we need to get into our Bible study uh, this morning and find out what the Bible has to say. Um, let's see if you can read it through the black text. That'll fix it. Oh, I'll try. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah, okay, so um, our listeners can't actually see what we're doing here. This is <laughs> I'm not a TV trying to session. cheat in the quiz. That's, to that's what's quiz. going on. Bible study time. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17. Let's start in verse 1. Genesis 17 and verse 1. Genesis Chapter 17 and verse 1. We're going to read the first six verses, but we're going to start here in verse 1 to, just to kick us off. The Bible says this. Oh. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Nothing. Hold on. Okay. 
When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Okay, so that's an interesting translation. If I read it from the King James Version, um, and let me just pull it up here real quick. In the King James Version, it says, When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be perfect. Mm -hmm. So this is a kind of cool verse. Uh, Yours adds the word El Shaddai in there, Mm. uh, which is actually, your translation says the same thing twice. Ooh, yeah. It repeats itself Mm -hmm. in two different languages. Yeah, wow. First in Hebrew, then in English, Mm. which is, you know, it works. Mm. It actually works. But this word here, El Shaddai, this is the word that Bruce was talking about yesterday uh, where it reminds him of El Shaddai, the shadow. Yeah. God is the shadow. Um, We will dwell, we will live under the shadow of the Almighty, particularly during times of, you know, plague and crisis and so forth. Mm. And Psalms 91 is definitely a psalm that we all should memorize. Mm. Okay, so we have here um, this statement where, you know, God, it says, um, or the Lord, which is, um, of course, Yahweh. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, Yahweh appeared unto him and said unto him, I am El Shaddai, Mm. almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. Now, why do you think that in this particular case, Yahweh comes to Abram and says, and begins his conversation by saying, I'm El Shaddai? This is the first time that you'll find the word El Shaddai anywhere mm. in the Bible, which means, okay, so the uh, prefix El uh, is plural. Which is why, you know, if you mm. go back to uh, Genesis chapter 1, for instance, let us make man in our image, you find that God is plural. So El is plural. That's, of course, um, Elohim, I believe. Mm. Uh, but it also means power and authority. Shaddai means inexhaustible riches and generosity. Mm. So you have almighty, all-powerful uh, God who has inexhaustible riches and wants to share them with you. Yeah, wow. That's a pretty good name for God. Um, why do you think in this case he he emphasizes and uses the word El Shaddai? Mm. Well, firstly, I'm like, when anyone introduces themselves by name, it's like an identifying marker. To, yes. Uh, particularly, you know, the times where God has come to Abraham before, he's always introduced himself and said, hey, what's up? It's me, God, using, you know, one of his various names but i believe that the reason that he's saying like i'm you know god the almighty you know the 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 describing characteristics that come with that name as well the reason he uses it is because he what it's because of what he goes on to say to abraham um because of course he goes on to kind of outline the promise that he made to him about you know abraham like this is i feel like this is like one of the yeah, real statements of Abraham's purpose in God's plan. Up until this point, you know, God has promised Abraham, oh, you know, leave your town and I'll be with you and whatnot. But now, uh, as we read on, you know, the next couple of verses, we see that, yeah, 
That. Go with verse two. Go with verse two. Hundred percent. Okay. Uh, let's have a read. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. This verse comes just after the Bible has stated that Abraham was how old? Uh. 99. (laughs) Which means that his wife is how old? Like similarly aged. Similarly aged, like 90? Yeah. And God God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to give you countless descendants. How hectic is that? (laughs) Does that sort of give us a little bit of a hint as to why before God says, I'm going to give you countless descendants, he says, I'm El Shaddai. Hmm. Because he's literally doing the impossible. Like, That's right. He's doing like, something that I, only God can I do. I am all-powerful. I have all authority. I have inexhaustible riches. I have inexhaustible generosity. And because of that, I'm going to give you countless descendants. But it just gets even better. Like you read through this passage and the, the promises that God starts to make to Abraham, these are like, th- this is this is things that are completely uncontrollable. By even Abraham's descendants. Like, you read on starting in verse 3, it says that this Abram fell down on his face on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, your name will be Abraham, for you'll be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. Like, this is a massive promise that is completely uncontrollable by any human person. Like, yes. this is just, you know, it's often like when you see great empires rise, it's because someone takes opportunity of an already, you know, solid foundation of a society or whatever it may be. But it's literally just Abraham. You know, a lot of people in today's society poo-hoo the idea of a virgin birth. Mm. And they're like, oh, you know, that's not possible. That's ridiculous. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what happened to Mary is so much more plausible than what happened to Sarah. Yeah, wow. I mean, you think about that. We do virgin births all the time today. Mm. It's not hard at all. It's not difficult. Mm. But try do the, doing this, right? Try taking try try taking a woman who is ninety years old. <laughs> yeah, wow. And having her give birth. Mm. Now you're talking something that is, you know, virgin birth for is is possible for human beings mm. in our day, but for a woman who is in her nineties to fall pregnant, that's mm. not possible for any scientist in any scenario today. That's just something we can't do. Mm. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> people worry about the virgin birth. They should be more worried about the story of Sarah than they should be about the virgin mm. birth. The virgin birth. That wouldn't be hard for God to accomplish. Mm. This one, uh, this one's just off the charts. And you know, when it's it's little wonder that God comes to Abraham and says, "I'm El Shaddai. I'm the Almighty. I'm the um, one who is just has inexhaustible riches and generosity, and I'm going to share it all with you." Mm. Okay, so let's um, let's let's consider here for a moment this concept of um, God being El Shaddai. We talked about God yesterday being Yahweh, the self-existent one. And there are a number of different names of God in the Bible. Uh, But El Shaddai is probably God's original name. Even though this name is not used 
in the biblical record until Genesis chapter 17, it's probably the name of God that was used up until this particular point. If we go back to, uh, or forward, I should say, to Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3. Let's have a look at what the Bible says over here, just to get a little bit of uh, research on this. Exodus 6 verse 3, please. Lawson. The Bible says this, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. Okay, so he appears to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. Mm. Yahweh is a name that comes further on. So the original name of God is El Shaddai, mm. which is kind of interesting um, when we consider our Jehovah's Witness friends. Mm. Have tremendous respect for our Jehovah's Witness friends. They they don't hold back and they get out in the community and they share their faith, and I believe that anybody who has a faith that is worth anything will want to share it, and I appreciate the fact that they actually live what they believe. But at the same time, uh, the Bible is very clear that the original name for God was not Jehovah. Mm. The original name for God was uh, El Shaddai, and then we had the God, the, 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 the name uh, Yahweh, uh, which comes later. And then we have, I think it was in the 14th century that the name Jehovah was, you know, came, was just a tra- tra- church tradition, which is a Latinized version of Yahweh came into practice. And it's like, okay, if you are so uh, insistent on being the people who follow, who are called by God's name, why not use the original name? Mm. Why not be called El Shaddai's Witnesses? Or even more consist well even yeah well even more consistently than Jehovah's Witnesses why not be called Yahweh's Witnesses? Mm. Well, that that's the inter- like that's a difference in interpretation, right? Between Jehovah and Yahweh, that it's the same thing. It's just the different pronunciation. Well, we don't know the true pronunciation of Yahweh. Yeah, but we know that it's not Jehovah. Yeah, that's that's Latinized. Mm. It's a Latinized version of Yahweh. Mm. So why choose the name that? If it's so important to be called by God's name, why use the name that God is never called by mm. in the Bible? <laughs> Very contentious. Okay, so first, first of all, why not be called by God's original name, El Shaddai? And then secondly, why be called by a name that God is never called by in the Bible? Mm. Why is it even so important? Like, well, I can understand. You know, different people see, you know, place different different levels of importance on different things. I don't, um, you know, when the Bible be, uh, speaks about being called by God's name, uh, are people called by God's name? God's name is His character. Yes, that's yes. What, where I see the the biggest emphasis right here, and I think that that is, well, the Bible clearly illustrates that. I should say mm. by giving God a whole bunch of different names. Yes. And you know we could we could we could list through a whole slew of different names and titles that God has received. But El Shaddai is the first one, so why not start there? Mm. Anyway, um, I digress. Let's look at a uh, couple of other verses here, because you know God has obviously appeared to Abraham several times before this, and in this case, He introduces Himself specifically as El Shaddai. Uh, let's look at. Isaiah chapter 13 and verse 6. 
Isaiah 13 and verse 6. Isaiah 13 and verse 6, the Bible says, This scream in terror for the day of the Lord has arrived, the time for the Almighty to destroy. Okay, the Almighty. Mm. Uh, once again, we have El Shaddai. Yes. Which is speaking of God's power and, of course, destructive power in yeah. this context. Mm. Joel chapter 1 and verse 15. Joel chapter 1. Oh, man, going to have to sift through some minor prophets here. Joel. Um, good stuff. Joel chapter 1. <laughs> Lawson is lost. I'm not Hosea, lost. Hosea, All... Joel, Amos. It's in there. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. It's just super. The pages. Oh, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Amos. It's just the, the, the books are tiny. Yeah, they are. Okay. 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 Um, Joel chapter. 1 and verse 15. 1 and verse 15. The Bible says, The day of the Lord is near. The day when destruction comes from the Almighty. How terrible that day will be. Yeah, that's pretty full-on passage we've got right there. Mm. Um, the day of the Lord and the day of destruction. And, of course, uh, once again, the term El Shaddai, Almighty, is used in this passage. Now, here's an interesting question. Who is the Almighty? Who is El Shaddai? Mm. Uh, in the Godhead, who is El Shaddai? What, like... El Shaddai dates previous to an explanation of what the Godhead is. Let us make man in our image. Mm. So, like, could El Shaddai itself, even though it's a noun, could it be pluralized? Because it's the the Absolutely, all, it can almighty. be pluralized because uh, the prefix El is plural, and when you go to Genesis chapter 1, uh, the verb that follows after it is also plural, which ensures that it is plural. Mm. So to me, it's just like... Which is why the Bible translated, let's, let let us make man in our image. You, uh, you can't make it any other way other than plural. <laughs> yeah, but then when we bring it into like the context of what it actually means, the Almighty, I feel like it's a word that represents the entirety of God. El Shaddai, the Almighty. Like the God who has the ability to do everything, to... to communicate with these people as one of their fellows, you know, that we see in Jesus, but as well be the great creator that we see in Yahweh. Right now, this is Tanya Godsey with Abraham's Sky. We'll be back right after this with the rest of Encounter with God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. I was just looking up during the uh, during the song break the uh, origins of the word Jehovah because um, somebody might some people might be actually asking the question: you know, Where does this word actually come from? Why do we talk about Jehovah, mm. and why do the Jehovah's Witnesses use it? Um, the uh, let me see the exact pronunciation of the name is not known today, but the most popular way of rendering it is Jehovah. The Kingdom Interlinear Translation on page eleven says concerning the way Jehovah was constructed. Um, but it was constructed by combining the vowel signs of Adonai and Elohim with the four consonants of the tetragrammaton. That's the YHWH. Uh, the pronunciations Yehoah or Yehoi were formed. Uh, the first of these provide the basis for the Latinized form of Jehovah. Uh, the first recorded use of this form dates from the 13th century. Uh, by C.E. Raimundus Martini, a Spanish monk of the Dominican order. Uh, continues on, um, the Watchtower Society admits that the more correct pronunciation is Yahweh. 
it then uh, makes this astonishing admission as to why they still retain Jehovah. While inclining to the view the pronunciation Yahweh is the more correct way we have retained the form Jehovah because of people's familiarity with it since the 14th century. Mm. So there you go. There you have the origin of the name Jehovah. Wait. It comes from about the 14th century, 13th century, thereabouts. So they literally said it, that paragraph you were reading at the end Yeah, there. that was the Kingdom in Delinea. Uh, translation that I was, it was Jehovah's Witness translation I was reading from right there and explanatory notes within it. Yeah, but it, it literally says like, oh, like the actual word is Yahweh, but we just say Jehovah because it That's right. feels better to say. That's exactly. And then they make a big deal about it. Uh-huh. That's intense. Okay. It is pretty intense. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're a Jehovah's Witness listening in this morning, uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you mm. and get your perspective on this. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's not, I don't sit, claim to sit here and understand it claim to know, understand everything there is to understand about Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. And so uh, would just absolutely love to have your thoughts on this particular yeah, subject. Definitely. But before we went to the song, we were talking about El Shaddai and we're asking, okay, in the Godhead, the Godhead is made up of three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So yes. who is, which one of the three is El Shaddai? When the Bible sport, when, when El Shaddai comes to Abraham and says and makes this promise, I'm going to make your you know, your descendants like the sand of the sea. Mm. Uh, there's going to be kings that are going to come from you. The Messiah is going to come from you. He's making all of these big promises. Is that the Father? Is that the Son? Or is that the Holy Spirit? So I made the case that it would be all of them. And that's why it's using the title El Shaddai. But I was just thinking then, it's like the reason it could be all of them as well is because the promise that is made to Abraham affects all parts of the Godhead too. Yes. Firstly, you know, you've got the father who is in control leading the people. Secondly, you've got Jesus who would give his son as a result of, you know, the world being blessed by the descendants of Abraham. And thirdly, you've got the Holy Spirit who would be leading, you know, uh, God's people after that, uh, you know, writing the laws on their hearts, new covenant. And, you know, of course, the, the spirit of God existing in the Old Testament as well to work through the prophets to communicate with God. So I believe that, yeah, this this promise that's made to Abraham from El Shaddai is really like the 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 quintessence of a totally God promise in its entirety. And, of course, there are some people who would dispute that and say, no, all, you can only have one almighty. mm and so if we go over to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, we'll flick over there very quickly, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And uh, we'll just illustrate this before we uh, continue on with another passage of Scripture, so don't freak out when we read this one right here. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. You want to read that one for us, please, uh, Lawson? Yeah, the Bible says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called a wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. Okay, this is a prophecy here. Who is this prophecy about? Christ. That's a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And mm. what does the Bible talk say? Because obviously, unto us a child is given. Mm. That's the child Jesus. Mm. And what does it say that this child will be called? Uh, what are some of the names there? Yeah, so wonderful counselor, mighty God, mighty everlasting God. Father. And yes. Prince of Peace. Okay, so there are some pretty full-on titles here that are given to Jesus Christ, one of them being Mighty God, the other one Everlasting Father. Mm. And once again, you know, I've spoken with our Jehovah's Witness friends from time to time, and you read this particular passage here, and they go, oh, yes, but it says Mighty God for Jesus, not Almighty God. 
<laughs> so the Father is Almighty God, and Jesus is Mighty God. Mighty God, which I find confusing because that then creates two gods, and then it's followed by Everlasting Father, and then it's followed by Prince of Peace, which are two contrasting. Yes, the Father who is the Prince. Yeah. Okay, so you've got some contrasting concepts that are yeah. coming through within the passage itself. Mm. And so what we need to ask ourselves is, okay, is there two gods or one? Mm. And I'm going to say there is just one God. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are not two gods. You don't have Almighty God the Father and Mighty God the Son. You don't have two different gods. You have one God, mm. and as one God, they share all of these names and titles. Mm. I'll illustrate it for you if we go over to Revelation now, Revelation chapter 1. But it's also like believing in the, the Trinity to be, you know, the, the Godhead. It, it's not triism, which is the idea that, oh, then there's three gods. No, the Father, not Son, at Holy all. Spirit. Again, not it's this idea of three in one. There's Absolutely. just one God. Yes. The Bible is very, very, very abundantly clear on this. Okay, so Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. Yes, the Bible says this in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Okay, so here, this individual introduces themselves as the Alpha and the Omega, right? Yeah. And then at the end, it says that they are, what does it say in the end the of The Almighty God. The Almighty. So we know that the Alpha and the Omega is the Almighty, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, you, that's we're talking about the Almighty. Mm-hmm. Uh, now read for us verse 10 and 11. The Bible says, It was the Lord's day, and I was worshipping in the Spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, Write in a book everything you see. Send to the seven churches in the cities of Euphra- uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, um, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Okay, so he's in the spirit on the Sabbath day, and he hears this voice behind him that says, "I'm Alpha and Omega," um, and he and and he turns to see the voice in verse twelve. I turned to see the voice. And in verse 13, who does he see? In the middle of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man. The Alpha and the Omega is the Son of Man. The Alpha and the Omega is the Almighty. Jesus is the Almighty God. The Father is the Almighty God. The Holy Spirit is the Almighty God. All of them are El Shaddai. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We've had some more messages come through. Let's see if we can get time for them after this. But right now, it is time for... Question of the day. All right. Our question of the day is, what is the meaning of Belteshazzar, a.k.a. Daniel? I see one explanation is Lord of the Straiten's treasure. If this is correct, then what or who is straightened? Uh, another explanation is that Belteshazzar was an Aramaic translation of Babylonian, uh, Baltasir, <laughs> meaning Bel protect the king's life. If this is correct, what or who is Bel? Cheers. Okay, that's a great question right there. Uh, the latter answer is the correct one. Uh, Belteshazzar was a name that was given to Daniel in Babylon mm-hmm. as a part of, well, probably two reasons. Um, often when you find Asian people who come to Australia, they'll take on a 
um, an English, a name that is easier for English speaking people to pronounce, not mm. always, uh, but they'll often do that. Uh, it was also an effort to uh, change the culture of these young men from Jewish culture to Babylonian culture and to um, integrate them into Babylonian society. So um, Daniel wasn't the only one whose name was changed. His uh, friends' names were changed and probably a whole bunch of other Jewish people had changes of names as well. And so in the book of Daniel, alternatively, you're going to find him referred to either as Daniel or Belteshazzar. Mm. And so, yes, it does come from the Babylonian Belteshazzar, and it literally means uh, Bel protect the life of the king. Now, of course, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson was named Belshazzar, very, very similar, which means Bel protect the king, so slightly shorter, means the same thing. And it seems that uh, Belshazzar was probably named by his mother, Necrosis, um, who was married to Nabonidus, the Assyrian Nabonidus, probably named after, well, Babylon's most prominent citizen, the Prime Minister, the Grand Vizier of the Babylonian Empire, Belteshazzar. And so Belteshazzar would have been around for several decades by the time that Belshazzar was born. And so when you're going to name a young child who is potentially in line for the throne, it's kind of a smart thing to do to name him after, you know, the most prominent citizen that there is, and that is probably where Belshazzar got his name from. Now, the question then goes on, is okay, who is Bel? Um, Bel is actually a title. It's not a name. Mm. Um, it means Lord or Master. And so you're going to find the word Bel or the title Bel attached to a number of different Babylonian gods. Uh, the primary one that you'll find it attached to is the god Marduk. This was the god that was the premier god during the time of you know Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, Nabonidus, Belshazzar, um, you know all of these guys. Uh, he was the primary god there. This is why, you know, one of the kings that came before Nabonidus and Belshazzar was Amal Marduk. Uh, he was named after that particular king. You've got Amal Marduk, you've got Labashi Marduk, you've got, um, you know, quite a few kings that received names from Marduk. And so it's a, yeah, basically a divine title of a Babylonian god. So that's where Bel comes from. What I do find interesting is that. The uh, the Jewish people here, uh, Daniel and his friends, they would not partake of you know the king's food or the king's wine, mm. but they didn't have any problem with the names. You're find, going to find their names recorded as both Babylonian and Hebrew names interchangeably in the book of Daniel. They weren't offended by their Babylonian names, even though their Babylonian names were associated to pagan worship. Mm. And so you find the same principle here that you find with Paul when he speaks about food offered to idols. The food is nothing. The name is nothing. It's just a name. It's just a word. The food yeah, is nothing. Wow. It's just food mm. that you eat. It's only when you attach something to it that it becomes actually a serious problem. Mm. Okay, so there's a few thoughts on uh, the name of Daniel. Either call him Daniel or Belteshazzar. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back to Faith FM and Lyle. Yes. We've come to the end of our show. We have. That's kind of sad. But we have a bunch of stuff still to talk about. We do indeed. We've got a bunch of text messages come through. One here says, I love the truth of the meaning about the three... 
uh, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, us, mm. the Spirit, we're breath, gifted with the breath of life from God, body, our bodies formed of the dust of the ground, soul, we're a living soul. So, yeah, there's a, a, a parallel there. Mm. Um, another text here with the three in one, you have God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, also mental, mental physical, spirits. Like I like the connection. Also that God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Three more there. But also God, neighbor, and self in union mm. as he designed. So a whole bunch of uh, threes coming through there. God works in threes. God mm. is three. Oh, well, that's like the principle of perfect love, right? That yeah. you can love someone else, but then someone else, else. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, dear, you're a worry. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.